everybody. Welcome to the show before the show. What, it's what, what? me, Armando Torres. And Paige Wesley. And, and with us we have... Andrea Gazzetta. Yay! Yay! We're just here to tell you guys that we're trying to branch out as much as possible and get as much followers as we possibly can. Join our cult. Join us. Do it. Well, we just got the cute vote. <laughs> uh, you guys can help us out by telling people about our podcast, by showing it to your friends, uh, by showing it to your imaginary friends. Get us those imaginary iTunes downloads. And- Shout it at people on the bus. Make yeah. signs. Walk around on street corners. Tell people the good news. If you believe that you're God or that we are, please let everyone know. Oh yeah, I'm not. I can't even do laundry. I'm definitely not. Yeah. I might be. <laughs> I'm not ruling anything out. So one of the best things that you can do to help us out is leaving five-star iTunes reviews. It really helps us out. And also we're doing this new cool thing where we're reading your reviews. Yay! So we're going to read we're gonna read about one or two every week, depending on how many we get. And the funnier and crazier they are, the more that I'm going to enjoy reading them. So and this one, if it's got a Manson anything in it, we read it in Manson voice. For or, sure. Or Brad Laveau. Or Brad Laveau. <laughs> Does Brad Laveau have a voice? It's Paige's voice. It's me. It's, <laughs> I'm just a simple gator lawyer. <laughs> and so this review comes to us this week from Steph. And Steph says, so entertaining. I've been listening for a while and finally got around to writing a review. This finally. <laughs> finally is in all caps, by the way. <laughs> and I finally got around to writing a review this podcast is hilarious informative and entertaining as hell makes me actually look forward to my commute every day wow that is the sweetest thing anyone's ever said about us. i i feel that because i have podcasts that i specifically save for my commute so i oh, feel yeah. you steph well thank you steph you're the best we love you uh yeah, go ahead and leave us a five-star iTunes review, and we'll read it out loud. And then you can show all your friends or all the people on the bus. Play it out, if we if we read your iTunes review, you're uh, contractually obligated to play it out loud on the bus. <laughs> and then go, that's me. Those that's are my me. friends. I'm Steph. Whoa. <laughs> all right. Hey, guys, it's me, Steph. I'm just here looking <laughs> a review. No, I'm just a simple gator, Steph. Uh, <laughs> So without any further ado, please enjoy the show. Hello. Hello. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Cassetta. Yay! It's my week! It's Paige's <laughs> week! This week we're actually covering something pretty huge. It's going to be a two parter. Oh, whoa. Cool. For sure. I was at one point earlier, I was like, maybe it won't have to be a two parter. And then I got to the part where uh, they get into reincarnation pretty heavy. <laughs> and then I was like, no, 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 no. This is going to need a second part. We're going to reincarnate these episodes? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and then I found a documentary this morning that literally came out 
days ago. Oh, whoa. What? Days ago. Did you watch it? Yes. Was it good? No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, it's not... It's not bad. It just it paints them in a very favorable life light while ignoring some very problematic things. When I, when we were doing the gang one, I was like, uh, "Hey, if anyone has like a reputable documentary on the history of the Bloods, that would be great." And somebody goes, "Hey, man, here's a really good one." And I went to the link, and the the, the documentary just started with boom, boom, "Gangland," and I was like, "That's not a documentary. <laughs> Come on, guys." Come on! I've got a really great documentary for you. It's called Law and Order. (laughs) (laughs) It's a documentary that was actually made in 2016, 2017, and then kind of hit the festival circuit, and it's only now, like, available on Amazon Prime. Because I started looking. I was like, there has to be a documentary about this cult, and that's how I found that one. We're talking about Father Divine today. Oh, whoa. So because we're talking about Father Divine, that means we're going to get a little, like, just a very tiny touch of Jonestown. Yeah. But not a ton, because Jonestown deserves its own five, six episodes, whatever. But... To cover Father Divine, you can't really talk about it without talking about Jim Jones. Yeah, this is like a Suicide Squad and where it was like, well, we got to put the Joker in it for like five scenes. Right, right. Jim Jones wanted to be Father Divine so fucking bad that he tried to at one point be Father Divine. Like he literally tries to be him. And when he can't is when People's Temple really takes off into kind of the spiraling craziness that it eventually becomes. Yeah. Jim Jones still pulled a lot of things from this cult. Mm -hmm. He learned a ton from them. And their success is part of why he was so successful. This is kind of a tricky cult because we're going to see them do a ton of good things. This is essentially one of those cults that starts out harmless and is actually doing social good and so much social good that it's easy to want to overlook some of the bad shit, just like that documentary did. They concentrated almost entirely on the social good. But it's tough when your social good is marred by a narcissistic megalomaniac. (laughs) Hey, man, I I just wanted to tell y'all, I washed the dishes, and I also set the house on fire. Yeah, I mean... That's how you get the cleanest dishes. (laughs) The fire will cleanse. (laughs) Jeez. So let's get into our sources. So the first source is Father's Kingdom. That's the documentary. It's on Amazon Prime now as of February 5th. Oh, sick. So literally just a couple days ago. Also, we've got People's Temple and Black Religion in America. As I mentioned, People's Temple is inexorably linked with this cult. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a bit of a disservice to this cult to only tie them to Jonestown because they're that interesting in their own right. It's like like when we did Elohim city and we were like, Elohim city is fucking batshit crazy, but we're also going to touch on all these other groups that were there. Yeah. Well, and, and essentially it's, it's kind of like, do you remember when that song Despacito came out? Yes. And it's a great song on its own. But then the second Justin Bieber drops on a version, that's all that anyone talks about. And it's like, no, this was an amazing song. Oh, my God. Justin Bieber really is Jim Jones. Where essentially it's it's like one person's accomplishments overshadow a whole mess of stuff before it. Yeah. You know? And by accomplishments, you mean cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of those things where a lot of things that people credit Jim Jones for, they should really be crediting Father Divine for. Hey, guys, I swept the floor. Doesn't matter. Jim burned down the house. A hundred percent. Yeah, That is exactly what happened, where it's like, 
Jonestown is so huge and so crazy and so terrifying and sad Mm -hmm. that people find it hard to even really look at Father Divine without being like, oh my God, but this is where that ends up. Even though this cult doesn't end up there. This cult doesn't kill people. The followers lead fairly happy lives. They're still around. But it's kind of interesting to see essentially what becomes like a mirror image of Glo- of Jonestown, where we see a cult that starts out the same way, that has kind of the same ingredients, and then turns out different ways. They had all the same ingredients, but they added just a little bit of salt, and that turns Kool-Aid into Gatorade. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong with no. Kool-Aid and Gatorade, but like... Yeah. I mean, in a way, I would say... They have all the same ingredients except Jim Jones. And Jim Jones is a murderer. Father Divine is not. I think that's your difference. That's fair. So the first source is that documentary. Second is People's Temple and Black Religion in America, which is a fascinating book. Specifically, we're looking at chapter two, Daddy Jones and Father Divine, the cult as political religion. (laughs) Daddy. Daddy. Well, Jim Jones asked people to call him dad. It was real fucking creepy in that death tape. (laughs) I get that he called him, one of them called him dad, but they didn't have to say daddy. Uh, Chapter two is Zaddy Jones. No, no. (laughs) Theconversation.com. The title of this website is bad. Okay. Their content was very interesting. Okay. Uh, it's called pimppreacher.com. Um, Hell yes. <laughs> it's actually a blog that big, breaks news on pastors and church leaders who have a history of defrauding their congregations. They're definitely biased. So anything you read on there, take it with a huge old grain of salt and see if you can verify it other places. But Yeah, take it yeah. with a huge old grain of salt and make it Gatorade. Yeah. Salon.com did an article called The Divine Inspiration of Jim Jones Inside the Man Inside the Mind of One of History's Deadliest Cult Leaders. And again, be- Inside the Man? Yeah. Well, I mean, Zaddy <laughs> Jones. What I found was kind of actually really interesting. Uh, San Diego State University has a whole bunch of Jonestown research. Hmm. Um, and it's all archived on their website. So uh, the SDSU archives, uh, Jonestown and Woodmont, Jim Jones, Mother Divine, and the fulfillment of Father Divine's intention of a vanishing divine city. And then uh, the SDSU archives again for Jim Jones and Father Divine. It's sad that people only talk about him in connection with Jim Jones, but we're, I mean, we kind you kind of have to. Is yeah. Divine his actual given last name? No, okay. no absolutely not. <laughs> if, okay. if it was, you'd have to be a cult leader. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a rock star. Yeah. Or a daddy. Mm. Mm. Daddy Jones. Or an amazing drag queen. (laughs) That's actually, yeah. Just like we talk about with most cults, especially when we look at cults of this scale and cults that have this level of historical impact, we definitely have to look at the time and the place and what's going on because this cult, probably almost more than any other cult we've seen, is a, a cult that could only happen in the time and place that it did and happened so successfully because of where and when it happened. It is not only wildly important to cults as we think of them today and to black religion as a whole, but also it's a cult born out of good intentions and then just hampered by its leader. And especially in the early days of Jonestown, which was originally doing a lot of societal good. It's really hard to separate hey, there were actually good things going on and things went bad. This is another cult kind of like that. But more importantly than any of that, this is a cult of America. America. 
they often refer to their religion not as communism, but as Americanism. And nothing could really be more accurate. Restoration and Depression era America was the perfect place for the philosophy of a man like Father Divine to take hold. And it's the treatment of black communities by American society at that time that gave birth to his following. And they are why this cult lives long past its leader, because there was a societal message that is still relevant. If Jonestown is the deadliest, scariest version of this type of cult, this is the mirror opposite, where it's oddly enough, this type of cult gone right. If Jonestown didn't go bad, it'd be this cult. Yeah. In a but strange. it's still a cult. Definitely. Okay. Father Divine is unique in that his beginnings are officially unknown. Not much is known about his early life or even his real given name. He and the peace movement he started didn't keep records. In fact, members of the cult would rename themselves. And they would specifically pick biblical traits that they wanted to embody in life. Okay. Like the documentary features Meekness Faith, who is has been a member since her teens and is still a member today at almost 90 years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And she is hardcore. She's in it to the end. I might join the cult if they let me go by Zaddy Jesus. They will not. Ah. <laughs> Definitely boo. won't. What about Zegis? No, <laughs> it's, it's all stuff like righteousness, truth, or mm. like joyfulness, mercy. Yeah, jo- yeah, yeah, joyfulness, what about, mercy. What about yeah. sick kickflip? <laughs> I mean, I want that, <laughs> yeah. but no. Oh. Father Divine himself actually declined offers to write his biography, which makes this one of the first cults we've ever seen where a cult leader didn't want to talk about themselves a ton. You know how Moon has, like, Moon in his own words, and then we've got Charles Manson in his own words, and literally everyone, do you remember that Kung Fu cult we did, that like, way back in the day? Yeah. Where she wrote, like, her own biography, and it's like, bitch, no one even knows who you are. Like, this guy was legitimately famous in his time, and didn't want to write a biography. Didn't want anyone to know his story. Interesting. He said that, quote, the history of God would not be useful in mortal terms. wonder if he had something to hide. I think probably. I think it'd be a mix of, like, having stuff to hide and also, like, having that mystique I think makes the mystique people want to come in. helped a ton because then if he says he's God, there's no one to say anything to the contrary. Oh, I yeah. thought you were going to say having Mystique helped a lot because she can change form, but... I mean fine. that, too. Um, <laughs> I, I well, she joke. changed so ah. much that when she joined, she went by Righteous Mystique. Ah. <laughs> Speculation Zone. <gasps> X-Men I, are real? I mean, no, but that'd be great. Speculation Zone. I actually wonder if he was literate. Oh. I don't know if he was. There's no necessary definitive to the contrary. Um, he he is a fairly successful businessman and a speaker. Yeah. And it seems like he can read at points. So uh, that may just be me speculating. But there are a few different things that they touch on. He was definitely literate at one point in his life or had people helping him because he drafts motions to congress and things like that 
But in his younger days, it's very possible that he was illiterate until he became an adult. I'll get into why in just a second. Well, we've seen cult leaders become both successful and very powerful and still be illiterate. Yeah, yeah. And also, he might be illiterate, but he definitely doesn't understand alliteration. Otherwise, he would have gone by daddy divine, which is much better. (laughs) Manson was like kind of literate right yeah manson was only barely literate but was very smart yeah which is shocking considering the dumb things he does like it's one of those things where with manson like he's got a crazy high iq but he's also pretty dumb so it's kind of it's tricky crazy and crazy high IQ. yeah nobody ever talks about it but i have a bachelor's degree in art appreciation (laughs) (laughs) as in this one guy i really appreciate what he did thank you art for helping me load that piano into that van Father, Father Divine. I realized I was laughing ass man. <laughs> yeah, he did do that. Uh, Fart appreciation. <laughs> Father Divine is definitely smart. Like, yeah. no one can deny. This dude is brilliant. I don't know if he was like, I, I just don't know if he was physically capable of writing his own book or... He, he could have, have dictated suffered, it to somebody. He might have also suffered from dyslexia you or something never know. Else. To be yeah. fair, Sun Myung Moon, his, in his own words, is a compilation of speeches that he gave. All of his speeches were taken down, and then somebody ordered those together. And when he wrote his own books, people would read them and go like, I, okay, core premise, I understand and I like it, but this book makes no fucking sense. And the reason it didn't make any sense is because he stole the premise from somebody else's fucking book. So... Father Divine, had somebody done that, that book would have not only made sense, it would have been almost poetry. Huh. If you've ever been to a traditional black Baptist church, some of those sermons literally are poetic. They rhyme, they have a meter and a motion to them. His speeches do, to the point where it's very easy to see why people would get wrapped up listening to them because it's so compelling to even just listen to. So compelling that they're chronicled in some famous ways. So speculation zone, maybe he couldn't write his own book or alternately, maybe he didn't want people to know the real thing about him so he could continue to claim divinity. Yeah. Mm. So I would say either one is probably possible. We don't have conclusive records of his real name or his place of birth. However, most historians believe that he was born George Baker Jr., in 1876 but our only real records of that are from newspapers in the 1930s so if they got it wrong it's wrong we have no official way to know and old newspapers if they got something wrong they didn't just get it wrong they got it extra extra (laughs) wrong all about it wrong all about it that name george baker jr is not recognized by the library of congress So after 1979, there is no further use of that name as a heading for Father Divine in any of the library's catalogs. FBI files record his name as George Baker, alias God. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Alias meaning he goes as God. That threw me for a loop. Yeah. 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 In 1936, a woman named Eliza Mayfield came forward and claimed to be his mother. She stated that his real name was Frederick Edwards and that he was from Hendersonville, North Carolina. She also claimed that he had abandoned a wife and five children, but she had no proof and she claimed that she could not remember his father's name. Five kids with one wife? Yes. Okay. But I I don't believe this one. I think she was full of it because he was very famous at the time. 
And Father Divine didn't even really gratify it with much of a response. At the time, he just said, God has no mother. Whoa. Yeah. So his childhood remains kind of a contentious point. Earlier researchers thought that maybe he was from the South, specifically Georgia, and in part because he does a lot of ministry in Georgia at one point. That's where he gains a huge following. So they thought that maybe he was from there. But... In reality, it's more likely that he was born elsewhere and specifically went to the South as part of his mission because he knew that that's where people of color were being mistreated the most. Mm. That's what, like, Jim Jones did. Exactly like it. Okay. Now, and remember, Jim Jones is, call it, 20 years behind. Yeah. But Jim Jones, by the time he kind of comes to prominence, would have been very familiar with all of this and familiar with the story And in a ton of ways, he models himself after it. He follows this model to a letter to an almost bigger following. Well, it's like me when I saw Like Mike, and then I started trying to hit down every shoes that that were hanging (laughs) up and just putting them on and being like, yeah, Michael Jordan now. But it never worked for me. No. And then I killed all those people. Fun. Just like Jim Jones. Perfect. Yeah. Using Kool-Aid? No, uh, the shoes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were watching Looney Tunes. Uh, Space Jam? I'm so Not sorry. Not Space Jam. Like Mike. You've never seen Like Mike? No. I'm a girl. Like, oh my god. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's not a reason. Does he gamble like Mike? No, no. <laughs> was his father murdered by people trying to pout his gambling debts? I'm pretty sure he was an orphan, so maybe. Okay. All right. All right. So more recently, and very similar to newer research on Charles Manson, like you remember when we covered Manson, many people had thought that his mother had abandoned him and a number of other things. We were able to actually establish things based on census data that previously would have been unavailable. Thank you, Internet. The same goes for Father Divine. So based on census data, there is evidence for a George Baker Jr., of appropriate age, born in, and I apologize in advance because this is the most racist name for a neighborhood I have ever heard, and I am sorry. So he was born in an enclave of Rockville, Maryland, called Monkey Run. Oh. Yikes. Yeah. That's terrible. That is horrifying. And again, he was born 11 years after the end of the Civil War. God, that's awful. Yeah, it's... The worst, like, it was one of those things where I was, like, reading it, and I was like, uh, no, and then I looked it up, and it was a very real place. That's not, terrible. Not good. Not good. If this theory was correct, his mother was a former slave named Nancy Baker, who died in 1897, 20 years after giving birth to him. That would mean at the time when that other woman was claiming to be his mother, and he said, God has no mother, it could have been because his mother was dead and had been for a long time. Okay. So that, to me, made a lot of sense. Regardless, most researchers agree that Father Divine's parents were former slaves freed by the Civil War. The Civil War officially ended May 13th, 1965, again, only 11 years before he was born. Obviously, records at this time were very, very poor. There is a whole host of information about this entire generation of African Americans that we just don't have. So we'll probably never officially know who he was and where he was from. But let's get into this period in history. So we've talked a ton about the Civil War and the Restoration period recently with our coverage of the Klan. But it's pretty important that we revisit this here for an idea of how George grew up. 
The restoration was an incredibly difficult time for African Americans in that they were free, but they had very little to show for it, and half the country was still incredibly angry about it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. still is to this day. The restoration period was a point of America's history that is just not OKKK. Okay, okay. Oh, <laughs> Even in states where slavery had been illegal for some time, racism was still present, and African Americans were still often seen as secondhand citizens. Add to that the layer of being recently freed slaves. Many African Americans now found themselves with the freedom to supposedly do whatever they wanted, as long as what they wanted was to basically do the jobs they had before for very little pay. Yeah. Yeah. These are adults who are suddenly expected to immediately get back on their feet after generations of literally being owned as property and subjected to the horror and trauma and torture of slavery. They had no money, no job experience, and they didn't have nearly enough help. Well, if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong, I'm not a fucking historian. Fuck you. I don't know why I started, <laughs> I don't know why I started so aggressively. If I remember correctly, there was like a lot of people who said that one of the major ways that uh, black people have been historically fucked is even from the beginning when black people were freed, there was like no... There was nothing set up to yeah. like integrate them back into... And like Lincoln had a plan for restoration and then fucking got that, got shot in the head his yeah. plan did his plan and nothing else uh, you think that's why he wore such a tall hat to trick it's anyone just where else? he was keeping the plan oh that's better i thought he was just trying to throw off assassins you shoot the top of the hat that's there's no head there oh or is there oh lincoln had a really tall head marfan syndrome <laughs> I mean, people bring it up, and we brought it up, too, is that freeing of the slaves is more of like a, we're trying to weaken the South, and they didn't actually have anything set up in that for when it happened. So it's just a clusterfuck. Yeah, this is also why it's it's incredibly problematic whenever people are like, slavery was so long ago, get over it. No, we didn't set these people up for any kind of success. You know, we freed them into... No help, basically. Yeah. Well, in, not that long ago. In yeah. some ways, a lot of the 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 tactics that white people who had once owned slaves, because they still owned their land, they yes. still owned everything in the city. Yes. So they essentially set up all these weird sharecropper things where people were still basically slaves. Yep. Yeah, and essentially that's kind of what we find here too, where. You know, and and on top of that, we've got the Jim Crow laws at the same time. So this is, you know, horrifying. Yeah, a good way to remember how upset and angry it was is uh, the white people that were there, they just lost a war. Their entire infrastructure is fucked. Yeah. They feel like their rights are being taken away. And then the people that they believe wrongly, I will very clearly state wrongly believe are to blame, are just now citizens too. Yeah. That is a spicy recipe for hate. Yeah, this ensured that African Americans, even though they were free, were just as mistreated as they used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, The Klan run amok. False accusations and court cases against black people were common as black people were not yet permitted to be on juries or vote. Uh, Some states with something called black codes prevented African Americans from voting in anything. A few states had it legal in some counties, but for the most part, black people couldn't vote. They had no say in what happened to them either. That's uh, the code noir that we talked about Mm -hmm. in the uh, voodoo episode, which started in Louisiana from the French, but then they adopted it in America because they were like, oh, you guys mistreat black people too? That's so cool. And then they just took it because they're assholes. So... 
it wasn't until the 15th Amendment passed in 1870 that the right to vote for black men only was ensured federally. However, gerrymandering, intimidation, misinformation, and specifically directed registration laws make voting a contentious issue to this day. Yeah. Uh, the enforcement acts at the time sought to make penalties harsher for intimidating blacks at the polls, but these were often met with violence. In 1873, the Colfax Massacre occurred during a fight between white locals and black citizens, along with federal troops as they attempted to practice their right to vote in Grant Parish, Louisiana. 150 black men were murdered by their white southern neighbors. Yeah, we covered Jesus. that in the uh, in the Klan episode, because yeah. that, was, that was organized by the Klan. It was organized by the Klan. In 1876, the case of U.S. versus Crookshank undid many of the enforcement acts which removed all of the penalties for voter suppression, making it even worse, making the Klan more successful. That same year, U.S. versus Reese upheld things like literacy tests as a barrier to voting. While they didn't directly discriminate on racial lines, this is only 10 years after the Civil War. Many former slaves couldn't read because they'd been slaves. No one had taught them to read. Yeah. So if you have a, liter a literacy test... You're effectively discriminating against black people, even if you're not saying it's against black people. Well, not what? only were they not taught to read, it was a crime. Illegal. It yeah, was it illegal was, for them was, to read. So it's it like, you just couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, this is actually still a pretty common form of voter suppression, similarly uh, requiring specific DMV identification without advance notice. This is actually a regulation that's a direct response to Father Divine's actions. Now they'll give notice of the kind of ID that you need to vote like a week and a half before you need to get it. And that's not enough time to get it. That was yeah. one of those things that popped up uh, during the Rajneeshi episode. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That happened there. That happened in the most recent midterm elections. It was a big deal, specifically yeah. in Georgia. Yeah. You know, some things have changed. A lot hasn't. We should try to change that. Mm -hmm. Just say. So this is the world that George Baker or Father Divine, was likely born into, and it undoubtedly shaped his worldview. If the George Baker reflected in the census is Father Divine, and again, if, we'll never know for sure, then it's likely that he worked as a gardener in Maryland as a young adult, and then traveled to California in 1906, where he was familiarized with the ideas of the New Thought Movement. So the New Thought Movement, <laughs> I know, it's the most generic, it's like... It's, the New Thought Movement sounds like the hottest new strip club in LA. I would say New, I mean, that's pretty good. I was going to say the New Thought Movement sounds like new hipster rappers. Oh. Like it's a hipster rapper crew is the New Thought Movement. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all white guys with way too many face tattoos. Either way, catch the New Thought Movement performing at the New Thought Movement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is Post Malone the ringleader? Exactly. It's exactly... New Thought holds that infinite intelligence, or quote-unquote God, is everywhere, and his spirit is the totality of real things. True human selfhood is divine. Divine thought is a force for good. Sickness originates in the mind, and quote-unquote right thinking can heal people. Is that literal sickness, or is that a metaphor? Literal. Now, Father Divine doesn't necessarily practice this all that much. He He's not, like, preventing people from going to hospitals and shit. Mm -hmm. But there are people that ascribe to this that take it that far. That's like, no, 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 you're sick because you're thinking bad. That's Does this so tie dumb. in with the, what is it, the, the Christian science 
thing. Completely different people and completely different time, technically. Yeah. Okay. Similar ideas. Okay. I think that the the Christian science thing is more having faith will heal you. Yes. Where this one sounds like it's your own thoughts. It's power of positivity is what yeah. it is. Yeah. It's like you're willing something. It's, yeah. It's almost like the, the reverse Aleister Crowley. This is the same kind of thinking that gave birth to Dale Carnegie. Okay. And and that kind of... I don't know why. I thought you were going to fucking say Dale from King of the Hill. <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know, large group awareness trainings also kind of spring out of this. This idea that, like, the power of you, the power of positivity, mm-hmm. you can change your own situation. Well, that sounds pretty good. I'll tell you what. Propane and propane <laughs> accessories. <laughs> positive thinking and positive thinking accessories. <laughs> so they've got, like, four main tenets. One, God or infinite intelligence is supreme, universal, and everlasting. Number two, divinity dwells within each person and that all people are spiritual beings. Three, the highest spiritual principle is loving one another unconditionally and teaching and healing one another. And number four, our mental states are carried forward into manifestation and become our experience in daily living. Okay, so divinity seems to be pretty linked to the concept of intelligence, thoughts, etc. Essentially, this is what we would look at like modern LSD thought the like we're all God God's in all of us everyone is God this is the scariest part of the episode because he's saying things and I'm like fuck I've definitely said that (laughs) I've definitely on shroom said that exactly (laughs) I've definitely said like wow dude God really is just like intelligence all around us also, circus cookies are pretty good, dude. <laughs> they are delicious. I, I ate an entire package of circus cookies. Don't blame you. Delicious. Mm-hmm. So Father Divine in 1907 attended a local Baptist church, and he would occasionally preach there, and he was a fairly gifted speaker. This would continue. His entire life, he's known as a fairly gifted speaker. When all of a sudden, one day, a traveling preacher named Samuel Morris came and spoke at the church And he basically had a routine that he would take from church to church to church where he would give like a very normal sermon that actually sounded great and people were all on board and they were like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then at the very end, he's like, by the way, I'm God. And they would be like, whoa, oh, Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, what? Then they would expel him from the church. (laughs) So he had been expelled from like multiple churches for doing this exact same thing of just like... So all we need to do is just, like, love each other, trust in God, but also I'm God. Oh, damn it. I was there with you for most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Look, man, I was all prepared to, like, go to the lobby, buy her t-shirts. I thought you were great. Now, (laughs) I don't know about this shit. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things where you, like, see a Facebook post from somebody and you're reading it and you're like, all right, all right, all right. And then at the end, they're like, that's why I've decided to kill kittens. And you're like, whoa. no. Full stop. (laughs) What? No. I'll tell you what, this one gets a sad face. <laughs> I feel like incels do this a ton, where they're just like, I'm lonely and sad, and I just need to reach out to yeah. somebody. It sounds very reasonable at the start. Yes. And then it just... <laughs> and that's why end, women are like, evil, and sex is the root of everything terrible, and I'm going to murder what? people with a gun. Yes. Oh, no. <laughs> that's making a lot of sense, Paige. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this is the first time I, this one gets a happy emoji. That, but that's essentially... He would like deliberately do it, where he's like, I'm going to lull them in with the normal sermon and make them think it's just a normal Sunday, where they have a potluck. A or girl something. broke my heart, so I murdered her dog. Yes, a hundred percent. What? So what? Uh, what? What year is this that he's doing this? Nineteen oh seven. Nineteen oh seven. So the the oh, only way shit. to get something around would be like through 
the male, which is still pretty fucked at this point in time. Yeah, well, and, and this is one of those things where he's, like, showing up to a town like the music man and being like, looks like you could use a sermon, a genuine bona fide sermon, sermon, sermon. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he'd show up every place and they'd be like, okay, cool, yeah, you can you can speak on Sunday. And then you'd get to Sunday, everything seems wow, cool. Wow, they let him do Sunday? That's not even, like, the Sunday, open mic day. Sunday, Sunday, well, there, There's no, like, open mic day for church, like, like, 99% of church happens on Sunday. That's fair. I just feel like Sunday is, like, for the headliners of God. Yeah, there's kind of only headliners. Well, if you think you're God, you're the headliner. Well, and, and he would end, he would be like, everything's cool. He'd be like, great, so let's pray. And then he would be like, I am the eternal father. And people would be like, oh, oh, what? Oh, dog. Uh, you should go. I already bought his merch. <laughs> We've got donuts in the lobby, but you can't have any. You you should leave. <laughs> it was pretty unsuccessful until he met Father Divine. Now, Father Divine's church full blown through this dude out. Where they were like, no. And then Father Divine basically chased after him and was like, I like that part about us being God. <laughs> like, I'm in. Let's do this. And Father Divine's in his late 20s at this point. He becomes Morris's first follower. Now, this is what we see all the time is cults born from other cults. It's like cults create cults. Obviously, Father Divine's cult creates so many cults. But we forget that he was in one initially. Like, yeah. he started yeah. in one. So well, It's like some young moon who yes. was in a cult. And then, yeah, it's just, that's what happened. So he became Morris's first follower. Um, and at this point, he took on the pseudonym The Messenger. So Ah, that's smart, because you can't ever kill him now. <laughs> can't shoot him. Oh. I was going to shoot you, then I found out you were the messenger, Boom. and it's against the law. <laughs> what is this law? So the messenger was a like a Christ-like feature to Morris's God the Father. Like, still God, but kind of like the young, cool God. Like, I, you know, um, <laughs> they would preach to... <laughs> <laughs> turns a baseball hat backwards. He's like, Yo, I'm here to teach you about me. <laughs> I'm here to rap about how I'm great. <laughs> Rippity rap. <laughs> they would preach together in Baltimore, but because no churches would have them, because they were like, you got to stop saying you're God. They would preach out of the home of a former evangelist named Harriet Snowden, who believed in their divinity. So Morris, at that point, started calling himself Father Jehovia. Mm. which okay. is one of my favorite cult things of taking something that sounds like a Bible name and then just putting extra vowels in it and saying it's extra holy. That's fair. We'll it's only that extra holy if too. you put more O's in it. <laughs> <laughs> so Divine and Father Jehovia were later joined by a man named John A. Hickerson, who called himself Reverend Bishop St. John the Vine. I thought I was going to go by the Hickey. Oh. That's a way cooler nickname. And John the Vine shared the messenger, which is Father Divine at this point. In six second increments, right? <laughs> That's how Vine spread his message. <laughs> you guys, I, I'm God. Ah, unlike, <laughs> no, unfollow, report. I like that one where the dog was God better. Uh, <laughs> uh, so John the Vine and the messenger, Father Divine, both were excellent speakers and they both shared an interest in new thoughts, so they became good friends. But there was a problem because John the Vine decided that he didn't think Father Jehovia had a monopoly on being God. 
And he cited a verse to back it up. He cited 1 John 4.15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Which, like, most modern congregations take this to be a metaphor and be like, hey, essentially, anyone who believes in Christ is part of his church. Super simple. Yeah, isn't most of the book a metaphor? Isn't it just all metaphors? It's a lot of metaphors. Isn't it all just like a, a, a general way that you're supposed to live your life? And, and A lot of it is just like, consider this. This is how you should live your life. And then some parts of it are like, and then Bathsheba begat Makalakalakalak. You're like, how many syllables are in this name? See, That's like it does all- make it more holy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they took it very literally to mean that whoever believes that Jesus is God, they are also God. Okay. Okay. So John the Vine was like, we're all God. So don't get so on your high horse, Father Jehovah, because I am also God. Father Divine had decided at this point, he didn't quite agree with John the Vine, but he also didn't think that Father Jehovah was God either. He basically said, that he didn't believe that everyone was God, but he was pretty sure that he was God. Okay. <laughs> so he's using he's using everyone who believes in God is God, but also not everyone is God. God, but, I'm I'm definitely I'm sure God. I'm God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like that's so insane. Which I love also that back in the day people were just like, I mean, he believes he's God, so why not hear him out? Like if I was on the bus and somebody was like, I'm God, I'd be like, I'm getting off of the next stop. Oh, if I'm yeah. walking down the street and somebody's like, here's how we stop climbing control, I'm like, fuck you, buddy. I'll just walk away. Like that's completely reasonable. And I do not give a shit. I mean, I feel like anytime I hear somebody trying to say that they're God, they usually have like a dirty plastic grocery bag that i don't even know how they got because we don't have those in los Mm, angeles mm. anymore and then like a samurai sword made out of cardboard boxes and i'm just (laughs) not here for it i'm like i'm not joining your peace smelling cult honestly if i walked past somebody and they were like i'm god and i'm like let's hear you out (laughs) what do you you have to say smelly man my favorite is do you guys see the guy he's around here where he has like a sign that just says like jesus loves it's it's one of the nicer sign people and he's just got headphones and he just like dances like it's no tomorrow like he's a sign spinner that jesus hired yes a hundred percent but he dances like 1980s exercise videos. oh my god is no this sign is the shaped, best is this sign shaped like a cross and he no just spins it? it's just a no, picket then if it ever went upside down he'd be fired oh no it's just like a picket sign and so he like march dances with it yeah at that point father divine is like y'all not got God, I'm God, pretty sure. Uh, so he traveled south, where he started preaching extensively in Georgia. But in 1913, local ministers were like, hey, uh, we don't think you're God. And so they got into kind of a conflict. I couldn't find any like specific notes on what happened. Um, but later on, it seems like people could just go to the police and be like, this fool says he's God. And then the police would lock them up. That's pretty crazy. I mean, it's like I reasonable to a degree, but like, it's pretty bad. I hope they're just slapping each other with Bibles. <laughs> and just like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it may have been a little more intense than that because 
Father Divine at this point was sentenced to 60 days in a chain gang. A note on chain gangs, they are effectively prison slavery. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. They're the old school prison industrial complex. It's not that old school. Pretty recent. Well, yeah, that's oh, what yeah. I mean. But this <laughs> yeah. is the OG. Like, yeah, this, this is, is the, the original. This yeah. is the original. Well, not the original original. I mean, yeah, but it's you know, as far as but. modern original in America. But I figured that they had kind of gone out of fashion right around that time. No, they weren't officially abolished until the late 1950s. And in some states, manual labor similar to chain gang is still around, specifically in Arizona. Uh, they they basically outlawed chaining them together was the only thing that they outlawed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, ah, this is harder, but yeah. this will work for you. Mm-hmm. At the time and currently, black prisoners were disproportionately assigned to chain gangs. And for some of them, it was essentially like being freed and then enslaved again. Yeah. yeah. White prisoners were way more likely to just serve out their sentence, to serve out shorter sentences while black prisoners were more likely to be assigned to manual labor, even for minor offenses, which is sounds like is what happened here. It's so ubiquitous and so modernly ubiquitous that Sam Cooke wrote a hit song about them in 1960 after they were supposedly abolished because they were still so much in the public consciousness that people were still aware of it. So I've actually got the song. Ah. That's the sound of the men working on the chain gang. That's the sound of the men working on the chain gang. All day long they work so hard till the sun is going down. Working on the highways and byways and wearing. I wearing can't believe someone made this song so catchy and dancy oh, about the worst chain part gangs. Is catchy <laughs> as hell. The worst part is at the end, as is, is it's fading out, he very cheerfully goes, I'm so thirsty. I need water. He does. Yeah. <laughs> like that show would end. What the fuck? <laughs> my, my work is so hard. Give me water. I'm thirsty, my. Yeah, it's a very sad song. It's very catchy. Jesus. Yeah. But basically, in the 1960s, so Manson is like around and out and about. Chain gangs are still around and out and about. Jeez. Crazy. Yeah. So while he was on the chain gang, he was serving a sentence. Several prison inspectors were injured in an auto accident which he viewed as the direct result of them not believing he was God. Wait, what? <laughs> so while, yeah, while he was in, in prison for basically saying like, yeah, I'm God, what, what, what? And they were like, you can bust these rocks for pretending to be God. Okay. Uh, while he was doing that, a bunch of prison inspectors were in a car accident and badly injured. And he's like, what I tell you? This, and it's not the only time he does it. Essentially, anytime bad things happen to people that don't believe him, he takes credit for it. Imagine you're chained to this guy, though. Oh, <laughs> insufferable. I am it's sure. Like, oh, shut up. He's the one that's actually yelling, huh! <laughs> ha! And you're like, oh, you can do it without yelling. <laughs> 
So upon his release, he actually attracted a bigger following, mostly of black women in a place called Valdosta or Valdosta. I'm not sure because I'm not from there. They say he attracted a bigger following because they couldn't get away. (laughs) (laughs) They were chained to him. They had to follow. Uh, Valdosta, Georgia. He advocated for celibacy and the rejection of gender categorizations. This is something that he'll continue to do as as he goes along. So his, he wants his followers to be non-binary? Not necessarily so much as he doesn't believe there should be any inequality between the genders. There okay. are some parts Which... of his philosophy that I full-on jive with, and then there are other parts that you're like, whoa, what? No. <laughs> yeah, on yeah. the surface, the concept of everyone is equal, men and women should be able to intermingle freely is yeah. a good concept. Yes, and what he kind of goes on is he expands it even further, where he's like, not only should men and women be completely equal and our gender is immaterial, but also our race should be immaterial, and we should not even refer to each other as different races, just dark complex or light complected and it's just a feature of your you as a person it has no bearing on you as a person okay which is interesting um i feel like it's a little reductive but it's an interesting concept and it ends up working very very well for him later on Mm -hmm. i mean in again that's a good philosophy but the social the way that the society was working at the time didn't really allow that to be a thing. Right. Well, and it doesn't allow for the fact that there is definitely an imbalance of power. Right. Um, But what we find later on in his group is that he kind of, his group is kind of an equalizer at one point where within his group, within other people that believed and followed this, life could be fairly peaceful because they were living by this. In 1914, several of his followers' husbands and local preachers had him arrested for lunacy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this actually expanded his ministry because reporters and worshipers kept coming to the prison cell to visit, and so it would just convert all the people around that heard about it. So at this point, some white people even came to start calling on him. A former Mercer University professor and lay preacher, J.R. Mosley of Macon, Georgia, ended up befriending him during this time and arranged for J.B. Copeland, an alumnus to and a respected lawyer in the area, to represent him pro bono. He essentially got off. He was not charged with anything. He was tried as John Doe, alias God. Oh, shit. Because he refused to give them a name. what? Yeah. God don't have no name. God don't have no mother. Also, God don't have no goddamn water. I'm thirsty. (laughs) Ah, my work is so hard. Need water. Oh. God also wouldn't hate a turkey club sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no record of him from the chain gang even using his own name. You don't have to give your name to be arrested. This is just something that we found that was sort of interesting. 21 Savage is yeah. a rapper yeah. who was just deported yes, back to the UK. because he was born in the UK. But yeah. a lot of people were like, well, how did he get arrested in Atlanta for like drug shit and not get found out? It was like, well, because you don't have to give them your fucking name or yeah. your social. You just give them, like, you don't have to give them shit, technically. Yeah. And now they can do it. But back in the day, you they would arrest you and you, they're like, if we're he- arresting you for being God. What's your name? And he's like, God. And they're like, eh, well, that checks out. Yeah. I mean, you could just be like John Smith and they have to write it down because also there's no centralized record keeping at this time this is also if any of you watched the ted bundy documentary 
and you're amazed at how easily he could falsify documents is because people were just fucking typing them out. Like, there was just no, like, handwriting documents. Like, there's no way to verify people are who they are. Like, writing documents the way that I faked doctor's notes in school. 100%. Exactly. So, at this point, he travels to Brooklyn, New York, because he's actually got a small amount of followers, and he's got an all-black congregation following him. So, even though he claims to be fulfilling biblical prophecy... He lives fairly quietly. He and his disciples in Brooklyn form a commune in a middle-class apartment building. He forbade any sex, any alcohol, any any tobacco, and any gambling among those who were living with him. I'm out. Yeah, (laughs) I'm so out. Uh, By 1919, he had adopted the name Reverend Major Jealous Divine. Reverend Major was chosen as his title because he thought it sounded respectful and had authority, while Jealous is a reference to Exodus 34.14. Now, 34.14 is one of the verses where the Ten Commandments happens. Essentially, in that, that portion of the Bible, Moses went up to the mountain, got the tablets, came back. Everyone was worshiping a gold calf. He got mad. He broke the tablets. Then he had to go all the way back up, get more tablets, come back down, the new tablets and then verse 14 is thou shalt have no other gods before me for i am a jealous god which is hilarious because it's god saying you can't have any gods before me but he's claiming to be god i find it hilariously ironic hey uh i just wanted to look i was uh I was looking through your prayers. Are you praying to other gods? <laughs> I've looked through your prayers. <laughs> Our God is a jealous God. <laughs> but uh, I mean, literally, this is a guy that's like, so I'm God because jo- God says he's jealous. So I'm going to be jealous. It's like, well, I thought you. He can't be God if you're also God. Like that doesn't that doesn't work, man. <laughs> is he also following the doctrines that he sets forth for his followers? Believe it or not, yes. Okay. We'll get into it a lot more in part two, but this is a case of, and I thought for sure I was going to find a ton of stuff of him being a total asshole, Mm -hmm. and there's some stuff later on, but by and large, he is following the rules he sets forth for everybody else. I know that, I know vaguely of him from knowing the story of Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. And I know within that story, there's a couple things that happen with him where it's like, okay, come on, that was a little fucked. That's part two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but up until this point, it seems like every step of the way, he genuinely believes. He seems to genuinely believe it. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, and even when the dicey stuff happens later on, mm-hmm. he still kind of seems to believe it. Okay. In the same period in the 19-teens, between 1914 and 1917, we don't have an exact date. Uh, Father Divine married one of his followers named Penaniah. Again, a name that's not a biblical name that just sounds like a biblical name. Uh, Penaniah was actually a few years older than him. And he did it to basically get rid of any rumors of impropriety among him and his female congregants. So he's... 30 to 40 at this point? He's 30 to 40 at this point. She was probably closer to 40 to 50. Okay. She was considerably older. Um, But he believes in celibacy even within marriage. Yeah, he does believe in celibacy even within marriage. She's believed to be from Macon, Georgia, that she probably met him during his period in Georgia when he was in prison and things like that. In addition to, you know, lending kind of a dignified look, 
she was there to basically if people were like is he sleeping with all those young girl followers because he when he was unmarried people were always spreading rumors that he was yeah and so she was there to basically diffuse those rumors and they also called her mother divine i don't know how you're gonna be anyone's mother without having some sex but okay well and they both assert to their death that the marriage was never physically consummated what did they emotionally fuck? I don't know. Wow, that's a real mind fuck. Yeah, is it just me or does Penaniah sound like some sort of Amish pasta? <laughs> <laughs> I think it sounds like a vague threat. Like, if you keep talking about my mans, I'm a Pena in your eye. Stabby, stabby. That's also very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> but it's around this time, right around 1920, that Father Divine decides to move his congregation again. And we'll start there next week. So, yeah, we covered a lot this week. Yeah. <laughs> we covered basically slavery to the 1920s. Yeah. We're, we're having a hard time trying to rem- remind all of you that slavery happened. Slavery. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get to do it every week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Kind of. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. It, it, yeah. It's... Well, there's that thing of like when we covered the Russian or the true Russian Orthodox Church, we covered the entire history of like Russia changing hands because terrible, traumatic tragedies in a nation often form groups like this to arise. So obviously the fucking civil war and the end of slavery gave birth to a lot of different cults, including the clan them the uh, father divine and his following and others too well and the the thing that we're not covering here that um jim jones and black religion actually covers very well is that there were a lot of these yeah like father divine is arguably the most successful but there were so many other similar groups exactly like this well it's a community of people that often aren't looked at sort of like like white people aren't interested in the goings-on of the black community at this time. They're like, yeah, they're just doing their own fucking Well, and here's shit. the thing, not for long. Like, the further we get into it, the more that this cult starts to bleed in every facet of everybody's society. Yeah, and something that we'll cover next time, too, um, and maybe later on if we, when we do something with Jim Jones, but Jim Jones was straight up stealing black culture. 100%. Yeah, so it's... Uh, We'll get into it. You'll get to into the it. point that he was imitating the way that Father Divine would speak. Mm-hmm. If you're super interested in Jonestown, we obviously haven't gotten there yet um, because we want to do it justice because it is a huge landmark cult. Yeah, we're also saving the good ones to spread them out throughout time. Yeah, a hundred percent. We can't do them all at once. But if you're curious about Jonestown, and if you're curious about Father Divine, definitely check out that documentary. It is a little bit biased, but check it out. Yeah, what was it's the name of it? Uh, Father's Kingdom. Father's Kingdom, and a lot of the stuff in that documentary we're actually going to cover next week. Hey, uh, Father Divine, more like uh, be a father to these pines. I'm talking about trees, <laughs> baby. <laughs> And where, where are the most trees? Trees exist in our national parks. And if you want to help out the national parks while also wearing some cool gear, uh, having some cool posters and um, everything that... The, 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 what I'm trying to say is you can mutually help out the forests by going and buying stuff from Open Skies Trading Company. Open Skies Trading Company is a company that prints and designs their own merch with t-shirts, posters, gear. All of it is available and it's uh, hand printed and done very, very well. 
Uh, they're also the printer of our Ohm Shinrikyo posters, which, uh, by the way, a couple people have ordered them and they haven't got sent out yet because we sent out a few. They got bent and we're just trying to figure out the best way to send them. Uh, so those are going to go out this week. Uh, I guess when this comes out. Yes, this week. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but Open Sky's Training Company, one of the best things about them, other than their kick-ass designs and great quality, is that every order that you place, they will donate $1 to the National Parks Foundation to help out our national parks. Hooray! Yeah! Yay! And so, uh, you can visit openskiestrading.com or you can visit them on Facebook and Instagram at openskiestradingco. That's openskiestradingco. I think I'm going to change my name. Straight up, I think I'm going to change my name to Armandi yo 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 yo. Armand Naya. Oh man, that's super holy. If you want to if you want to join my cult, uh, consider following me. Huh? Get it? Get it? On all social media uh, at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M A N D O Does Stuff. And if you want to send me your favorite Sam Cooke songs, please do. I'm at Paige Wesley on Twitter, at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. And if you want to send me any of your Amish pastas, uh, (laughs) please send them to me at Sundress Comic on all the things. So yeasty. (laughs) (laughs) And if uh, if you want to follow us as a whole, as a unit. C unit. <laughs> if you want to follow us as a C unit, you can uh, do so on Instagram at Cult Podcast. Or on Twitter at Cult Podcast Show. You can also send us an email at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com or find our email and physical address and a bunch of other information on our website at cultpodcastshow.com. If you're God and you want to send us an <laughs> 8 by 10 photo of yourself. <laughs> First of all, you're not. But secondly, feel free to send us that photo to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like Like the the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. And please, even if you don't think you are God, maybe just dress up as a man with a beard and send it to us because that would be very (laughs) funny and I'm down. I want to say that both female co-hosts on this podcast have a big thing for men with beards. (laughs) Yeah. So. A little bit. I did think it was really funny when we were at Town Topic in Kansas City and a giant dude with a beard and a giant cowboy hat walked in. Oh, yeah. He looked like a mix of your fiance (laughs) and the Bundy family. I feel like he, well, there was that one time. B-Unit? That's what I'm calling the Bundys. B-Unit? There was that time when we thought we saw Ammon Bundy at the airport. The same weekend in Kansas City. (laughs) In Kansas City. Um, But no, it was, I feel like it was like the Mechazord version of my fiance. (laughs) That's, yeah, <laughs> was like, that's, that's his final evolution. <laughs> that's his final evolution. Because that beard was like ZZ top notch. Like it, was, <laughs> it was crazy. Beardzilla. It was Beardzilla. Jake is actually going considerably shorter these days. <gasps> it looks good. So yeah, uh, just wanted to uh, just wanted to remind you guys to drop those iTunes reviews, five stars, and we'll read them out. Every we'll read one or two, depending on how many we get. Uh, if every you make week. them super funny, we're more likely to choose yours. Oh and yeah! If you mention Charles Manson at all, Armando will read it in Manson voice. Yeah, <laughs> yes, dude. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So yeah, 
we'll we'll read those at the start of the episode so that way you can kind of hear them they're fun we're, we'll do them real quick uh yeah awesome and i think for this week i'm gonna say don't drink the gatorade because <laughs> it's really gross go with vitamin water it's just instead. salty kool-aid it's so gross and also don't drink the kool-aid Bye. Bye. I cannot overstate how gross Gatorade is. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang.